Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. I keep waiting for the day when you guys come into the church service like that. Oh boy, we got to come in and worship! Right? Well, like these kids are, I grew up in church. Um, if you'd ask me uh, back then, you know, what that meant and what it was all about. And uh, I, I don't know what I would have said, uh, you know, about being this, this Christian thing. Uh, but for at least as a kid, I knew, you know, we went to church. My, my uh, mom and dad were involved. They were served at the church in various ways. They sang in the choir. And, and so as a kid, we went to Sunday school every week and, and worship. And we went to vacation Bible school every summer. And and um, in fact, I remember, let me, let me share something with you today. I remember Vacation Bible School, a song that they taught us. This, this must be, this is almost 50 years ago. I remember this song, but very, very applicable to where we're at here today on Easter Sunday. It comes from John chapter 11, Jesus' words, just before he raised Lazarus from the dead. It goes, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live Yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, never die, shall never, never die. Okay, okay. Now listen, that's a good advertisement for you. You need to get your kids in children's ministries because years from now they'll still remember those things. Uh, but so growing up in, in the church and thinking about what, what Christian is, you know, uh, uh, I think about my experience with that. You know, what's, what's it mean to be a Christian, to really be a Christian? And I remember as I got up into high school, junior high and high school, that we went to the youth group every week. And, and I remember that in my sophomore year of high school, though, I, I started reading and got interested in things like ESP. You guys remember what that is, right? Extrasensory perception and being able to perceive things outside of yourself. I got interested in the Eastern mystical religions. And this is about the time, uh, and I'll, you know, we're going to date ourselves, some of you folks. This is when Haight-Ashbury Street in San Francisco, the big hippie love-in stuff was going on. Uh, psychedelic art I got into. In fact, I painted, I, my folks gave me permission with all different color magic markers. I did a whole wall in my bedroom. Psychedelic art. And when they got ready to sell the house, they put like four or five coats of sealer and it still didn't work. But anyway... <clears throat> Uh, I, I got interested in reincarnation and studying about that. But, and so I'm, I'm really getting into this stuff and thinking about it and believing in all this stuff. And at the same time, I'm still going to church. I'm still, you know, doing my Christian thing. In fact, my junior high school, uh, the way our church was set up, I got elected as the president of the youth group. And sometime during that uh, year, we had a youth Sunday, and I prepared a speech, and I called it a sermon and then I, I, I you know, gave that speech in church, and I remember all the little old ladies coming up, you know, walking up and saying, oh, Sonny, that was so good. Is it? And they said, you'd make a fine minister, young man. And well, here I am today. Uh, but what I want you to see is that, you know, I had all this mishmash of beliefs going on, and yet I was thinking I was a Christian. And, and uh, my senior year of high school, when my senior year started, I stopped going to church. Because life was happening. Saturday nights, I'm out with my friends, you know, running with the girls. We're just having a, you know, staying out way too late. The, the Sunday morning comes way too early, right? And so I stopped going. And I remember my mom 
kind of saying, you know, I don't think that's a very wise decision in life, but she wasn't attending church at the time, so she couldn't press it too far. But if you had asked me back then, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, I, I just don't know what I would have said. And as I think back on it, with this, all this stuff that was mixed in with that for me, you know, I realized that I thought I was a Christian a long time before I actually became one. Can you do that? Can you think you're a Christian and really not be one? Absolutely. And that's exactly where I was at, and probably some of you here today are in this situation. You know, we've all grown up with beliefs like this. If you think about it, I mean, the specifics of your beliefs might be different than, than where I was at, but we, we, a lot of my beliefs I just caught. You know, I caught from my parents or from what I heard or from my friends or from the culture I was in, you know, they just, they just came. I never really thought about them. I, I didn't examine what it meant to be a Christian. I didn't open the Bible and say, well, what does God say about what it means to be a Christian? And I think we all have beliefs like that in our lives. You know, I still find out from time to time, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll be reading the Bible or talking to someone, listen, and all of a sudden go, what? And realize that I've missed something or I've had something that wasn't quite right. I mean, we have those things in our lives. And so here we are on Easter Sunday in a church that would hold itself out where we're Christian, but we're all coming from all different backgrounds, different things going on in our lives. Some of you are probably new to us. It might be your first time or you've come several times, but you're still new to us here and you're trying to figure out you know, where we're coming from and what this is really all about. Some of you may have been here for a long time and you think, oh, I got this nailed, I know all about it. You know, They say the same thing every Easter. Uh, that kind of thing. You might have that mindset. Uh, our young people, listen, young people, your teens and, and children who are still in here, um, we know this for a fact, that you are going to grow up and it's going to happen sooner rather than later and you're going to make decisions about whether or not Christianity and church are still going to be part of your life. You're going to make those decisions. And, and so we want you to be able to make those decisions rightly and based on truth. And so uh, you also might be here today, and you, whether you've been coming for a long time or your first time, you might be skeptical. You know, you're somewhat of a skeptic about this stuff. You just, you don't really know for sure about this Christianity stuff. And by the way, I understand that. I really do. I, I've been a skeptic in my life in the earlier years. I know. But I want to say this to you. We are glad you're here you know, you can, you can come and be skeptical and come and consider uh, the things that the Bible says, and we love to have you do that, okay, because uh, we understand. Uh, but, and then there are those of you here today who, you know, really are tracking with us, and, and, and you know what the Bible says, and your heart is sincere about these things. And so we got all of us here today, but really the reality is that probably every one of us has some things in our life that don't really match the truth. That's because we're human. And we're works in progress. But here's what I want to challenge you today. All of you to do two things. Starting today, and this is a sermon series that begins today. It's going to continue for several weeks on what does it really mean to be a Christian. And I want you to do two things. First one is this. I really want you to check what you believe and compare it to what the Bible says. What it really says, okay? And you know who that's hardest for? It's those of us who've been around the longest and really haven't thought about it much for a long time. And so we need to do that. Does what I believe really match what the Bible says? And the second thing, and just as important, that's that does the way I live my life really match 
the way the Bible says a Christian ought to live. Because it's crazy that we're like this as human beings, but you understand that we can have certain beliefs, we can have our list of beliefs, but then somehow or other it doesn't connect with our lives. You 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 know what I'm talking about here? And, And we can find ourselves living and doing and not doing and all this thing that just doesn't even come close to matching. So I'm asking you to do the two things today, okay? Starting today, to open your hearts and minds to make sure that what you're really believing is accurate. And secondly, is your life matching up to that or not? So uh, what is it really all about, this Christian thing? What's it really mean to be a Christian? You know, if we, if we were to go out here into the community today and, and go places where people are and ask the question, how many different answers do you suppose we'd get? You know, we'd get a lot of different answers, wouldn't we? And some of them would be right, some of them would be wrong, some of them would be close, some of them wouldn't even be close because people have all sorts of ideas about it, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, but guess what? You know this. This isn't an issue that we can settle with an opinion survey, what it really means to be a Christian. There's only one way we can know what it really means to be a Christian, that's we have to open up the book that God gave us. Because it's in here that he tells us what it really means to be a Christian. Now, for those of you who have already settled, yes, I believe the Bible and I believe it's God's word, that's that, we, we get that, right? But I would say to you, even if you're here today and you're skeptical or, or maybe you're just... You know, like I said, you're one of those people who've been here a long time, and you say, yeah, I've heard it, I've heard it. But I want you to understand, and, and young people who are going to be making your decisions about whether you're going to continue with Christ, it's important that you make that decision on the basis of what's really true. Not on the basis of something that you might think is true, but on the basis of what is really true. Very important. So we need to go to God's Word to answer this question. What does it really mean to be a Christian. We want to start on that today. Well, the first thing we decide, we, we're going to discover as we open our, our book and start looking at it is this, that God is not the one who gave us the name Christian. God isn't the one who called us Christians. Even, even what we now call Christians didn't make up the name Christian. This name Christian came to us um, first in a city called Antioch, and there was a church there that had been started, and in this church, man, they were serious. It tells us about how this church was growing, they were reaching people, and what they were doing is they were preaching about Christ, and they were teaching the people about Christ, and they were explaining to them what it meant to be in Christ and how to live like that. They were sharing Christ with other people. They were praying to Christ in their services. They're worshiping Christ. On and on it goes, Christ, Christ, Christ. And so the, the community around them began to look at this and said, what's this Christ thing And then they started calling these people Christ people. Christ maybe fanatics, right? Christ this, Christ that. And in our English language, the way you get this word, if if we were going to say it the way they would have said it, it would have been Christian. Everything's Christ to you. Christians. That's who you are. And it was a derogatory term. Uh, We see, so it's the outsiders then that began calling people in the church Christians. I'm not saying they pronounced it that way, but that was the point of it, okay? Now, Peter talks about in one of his letters this idea of being a derogatory term, a term that leads to persecution. You can get persecuted if you're one of those Christians. And he talks about suffering for being a Christian and and how that uh, affected them. And at some point, followers of Christ just accepted the name. And in English, it obviously, we've softened the way it sounds from Christian to Christian. Okay? 
But that term means so many fuzzy things to so many people today. And it's, it's the meanings become twisted and expanded. So we have the question we need to answer is what does it really mean? What does it really mean to be a Christian? Well, let's consider the word itself as our starting point, okay? And there's two ideas in this word. And the first part of the word is the word what? Christ. That's exactly right. And so we need to, to think about who is Christ? What is he like? What did he do? What was his purpose? And how does that relate to us? Okay, so we need to answer the question, who is Christ? And then there's the eon part of uh, the word. And this means it's, it's about a person. It's about somebody uh, who follows Christ. It's, it's the me part. It's the you part. It's the us part. And so we need to answer the question, who am I? Who am I? And, and, and how does that then connect with Christ? Because we have both of these parts in this word, Christ and us. And so we need to answer these questions. It is Christ and us. And by the way, do you notice it takes both for there to be a Christian? It takes both Christ and us to have a Christian. And this ought to tell us something real quick here when we see this. Christian, do you, can you see that, that it is not about religious activities or religious rituals or practices? No, it's about Christ and us. It's not about a philosophy, although it'll affect how you look at things, it will. But it's not about that, it's about Christ and us. Christ and me, Christ and you. In other words, it is about relationship. And that is huge when it's going to come down. We really want to understand what it really means to be a Christian and then how do we live like, really live like Christians. This idea of relationship is crucial to understanding. And so when we consider his identity and our identity, we need to answer the question, how do we fit together? How do we and Christ fit together? And so what we want to do really then is to look closely at the intersection of Christ's identity and our identity. Who is he, who are we, and, and how does this intersection come together? How does this relationship begin and continue? So we wanna look closely at the intersection of Christ's identity with our identity. Because when we have Christ and Eon and we bring them together in this intersection, we end up with a genuine Christian, the real deal, okay? And that's why this sermon is called The Identity Intersection. It's where our identity intersects with the identity of Christ. So let's, let's begin looking at Christ and trying to answer that question, who is he and what does it mean in our lives? Well, today is Easter. It's a day when we uh, focus on what it means, uh, the resurrection of Christ, the fact that Jesus is alive. And as I said earlier, we celebrate that every day and every Sunday. But today we look at it in a special way. Well, let's turn to passage of Scripture that, that references the resurrection in light of the identity of Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible with you, you don't have a phone with a Bible and you can follow on, that's, we would encourage you. There's a Bible in the pew. We'd love to have you take that Bible out and follow along. I'll give you the page numbers to make it easy. Page 1293, page 1293. 93, Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul here is, is, is raising the subject and says, here's what I want to talk about. And he gets to verse number 3 and he says this, concerning his son, concerning God's son, Jesus Christ our Lord, 
who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and that phrase means that he, a human ancestor was King David, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. And how did this all, how was it declared? By what? By the resurrection from the dead. So the resurrection establishes the truth of the identity of Christ that it, it, it talks about in these previous verses. So let's go back up here and let's work our way through this and think about the identity of Christ. And the first phrase is this. It says, concerning his son. Concerning God's son. Now, this tells us that, that Christ was God. He was God. He still is God. Okay? He is God the son. And so this, the Bible reveals God as one God, and this is a little hard to understand, I know, uh, but he reveals God as one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so what's the identity of Christ? He's God. Now, do you understand that that immediately makes Christianity important? This idea of being a Christian is very important because it's not just about us, it's about God, okay? He's in that mix. And so then it says, concerning his son, Jesus. And it's, it's interesting how this is put in the very next order here. Jesus was a very common name in this day and time, very much like Joshua is in our day and age, and it means the same thing. This name means that God saves us. God is the one who saves us, but it's a human name. And this reminds us that God the Son came down and took on human form and became a human being like us. So Christianity, not just about God, is it? It's about us, too. It's about human beings in relationship with God. Okay, so the next word here is Christ, and that's the term we've been using because that's what's in Christian. And so the, the name Christ really is a title, and it comes from a Greek word that means the anointed one. And, and it's the, the same word that in the Hebrew language the Old Testament Jews had, Messiah, also means the anointed one. So it's the same, same a title. And what this means is that Jesus is the one that God promised to send. He's the one who is the fulfillment of all the prophecies and who was going to come and die for our sins and to be the Savior of the world. And then, not only God's Son, not just Jesus, not just Christ, but He is also our Lord. Our Lord. Now, Lord communicates something that we aren't always real comfortable with, but it means this. If Jesus is Lord, then He is the one who is overall. He is the one who rightfully can say, what needs to be done and what should not be done. He's the one who should say, here's how I want you to live your life. Okay, he is Lord. And so this is the identity of Jesus. The Christ in Christian. His identity. The Son of God. Uh, uh, he's also a human being. He is uh, the promised Messiah. And he is our Lord. And then it says he was declared to be the Son of God. This is not just a a doctrinal statement. He's declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. You know, I've never seen anything dead come back to life. Have you? When it's dead, it's dead. And there have been people I've seen dead that I wished would come back to life. And they don't. We ha don't have that kind of power. But God has that kind of power. This is what he's trying to say, that, that this Christian thing, power is included in being a Christian. The power of God, a resurrection power, is a part of these things. And so, so this is the identity of Christ when we think about being a Christian. 
Well, what about our part in this whole Christian thing? Then what about us and our identity? Well, turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's page 1393 in the Bible that's in the pew. Page 1393, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're just going to look at one verse to, to zero in on our identity uh, on, with respect to what it means to be a Christian. Verse 18. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now, you might read this and say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about our identity. This seems like about Jesus and what he did. It does, but we show up here at the end of the second phrase. So let's look back in here. He died for us, what the just for, here we go, this is us, the unjust. The unjust. Now, we have to understand this unjust in the context here of that phrase. The just, Jesus, the just one for us, the unjust ones. This word just means morally right. Just means, it's talking about righteousness and right living. This word just, it communicates that he's holy and totally separated from sin, that he is sinless. It communicates the idea of innocence, no guilt for anything. That's what it means, just. And so who are we? What's our identity? We are un all those things. We are un all those things. We, we are not morally right. We, we live immorally from time to time. We are not always righteous. We, we are not holy by nature. We uh, do sin. We are sinful people. We are definitely not innocent. We are guilty. And, and if you doubt that, I want you to think about us today. And I don't want to be mean to you, but listen carefully. If, you know, by the time you're a young adult, you've broken every one of the Ten Commandments many of them repeatedly. Because here's the thing. If you have ever not had God be the most important thing in your life, you've broken the very first commandment. And the other ones go from there. There's several about him having that rightful place in your life, never letting any other goal come before him, never letting any possession come before him, never letting any other person come before him. If you've ever used God's name as a cuss word, you've broken that commandment. And even if you've used God's word in a way that was just, you know, not serious, you've broken that commandment. Have you ever had a day when you didn't get up and, and say, God, this is your day and I only want to do in this day exactly what you want me to do and nothing else, and then you went and did it? Did you ever have a day when you didn't do that? We've broken that commandment. How about your mom and dad? Did you ever, were you, did you ever speak uh, in ways that weren't respectful? Did you ever disobey them? You've broken that commandment. Have you always told the truth every time in your whole life? No, no lies at all? We've all lied, haven't we? We've broken that commandment. Um, stealing, we've all taken something that doesn't belong to us, whether it's a physical object or, or maybe it's when we're on the job and we do something with our time that really isn't what the employer wants us to do with our time. We're stealing their time and their money. I mean, we've broken all of these. We go on. Uh, when Jesus talks about adultery and murder, he says that those things are really issues of the heart, you know, that in our lives, and eh, we really haven't always thought right about these things. We've broken those commandments. We're not innocent, are we? We're all guilty before God, and that's why he calls us the unjust here. And, and 
Now, there are other things about us. We can look at our identity, but when we're talking about bringing Christ and us together, this is the key part of our identity that we need to understand. So let's go back and look at the verse a little more closely. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. He died on the cross. We sang about it a number of times today. He died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins. He who was just for us who are unjust. Why did he do this? That he might bring us to God. There is no way for you to come into personal relationship with God apart from Christ. Apart from being connected with Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You can know about God. You can say, I believe in God. And you can think you do things for God. But the only way you can have a relationship with God is to to connect with Jesus Christ in a very personal way as Lord and Savior. And so this idea that he might bring us to God, this is where the identity intersection becomes so important in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. You see, when we understand the identity of Christ, as we've seen, who he is, what he's like, what he's done, and then we understand our identity, okay, the eon part of Christian, uh, that we are unjust and desperately needed a Savior. When we understand both of those things, okay, so here's Christ and his identity, here's ours, and we come to him and we intersect with him and we bring our unjust to his justice. And we bring ourselves, and we make that connection with him by by receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. The moment we do that, a Christian is born. A Christian is born. When that intersection takes place, when we connect with Christ by receiving his Savior, when our two identities intersect, a Christian is born, and we become inseparably connected with with God. We become inseparably connected. And and we aren't just a Christian at that point. We become a a real Christian. A real one. That's where it starts, when that intersection occurs. And understand, when this happens to you, when, when your identity and his identity come and you receive Christ as Savior, intersect with him in this way, uh, not only are you inseparably connected with him, he forgives every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit. He gives you eternal life so that when this life is over, you will go to heaven and not to hell. And then he gives you this new life because he himself comes to live inside you and begin working and helping you to change, to become everything he designed you to be in the beginning that sin has gotten in so much way of. All of those things. So, real Christian. So is this all there is to being a real Christian? Now, this is how you become a real Christian. But if you want to really live like a Christian, there's a lot more. It's about how you interact with people and how you think about things and what you're doing with your life and what's important to you. And on and on it goes. And we're going to talk about those things in the coming weeks. But this is how you become a real Christian. Now, I want to think about this today, what it means to to, to really be a Christian. If you know all of this stuff, you know this, and maybe you've even said, yeah, I've intersected with Christ, I've received Christ as Savior. The question I got for you is, are you living like it's really true? Are you really living like a Christian? 
It's easy to, to say we're Christians and then go on down the road and, and live however we want and, and maybe rationalize things in our mind, justify and, and do our own thing. Well, we think this is good, but we aren't really living like a Christian. I have, uh, uh, Hebrews has a verse for you. And it says this. What makes us think we will escape if we ignore this great salvation? What makes us think we'll escape? So we, we've, we've intersected with Christ. We've trusted Christ as Savior. And, and then we ignore it. And we go on about and do our own business. Here's what's going to happen. You won't escape the consequences because when you live like that, it's going to affect the way you think. When you live like that, it's going to affect the way you feel. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to reflect, uh, affect the choices you make in your lives and the outcomes of those choices. You know, there are a few things sadder than seeing someone who claims to be a Christian not live like one. It takes them to a really ugly, hurtful place. And if you're living like that, what you're headed for is a bucket full of regret. Guaranteed. What makes you think you can escape if you say you're a Christian, but you don't live like one? And I would say this to you today. Listen carefully. If you can say, oh, I've intersected with Christ, I became a Christian, but you can live day in and day out doing your own thing, not really caring about it, not concerned, doesn't really bother you, you aren't worried about trying to make changes. If you can do that, I would suggest that maybe you never did intersect with Christ and receive him as Savior. And if you need to do that. You can take care of that today. Now, if you're here today and you're saying, boy, I don't, I, you know, this is new to me. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever really intersected with Christ and, and received Christ as Savior. You know, or maybe you've heard this a hundred times, but for some reason today it's making sense. It's, it's clicking for you. Well, this verse applies to you just as well. What makes you think you can escape the consequences of not trusting Christ? You can't. And the consequences are eternal, separation from God in a place called hell. We cannot escape if we neglect this part of being a real Christian, coming and intersecting with Christ by, by uh, receiving him as Savior. Well, I have good news for you, really good news. Today is the day to do something about it. Today is the day that you can do something about it. Today is the day you need to do one of these things. If, if you have uh, received Christ as Savior and, and you're trying to live like a real Christian, you're very sincere, today is the day to recommit yourself to that and say, oh God, I, I really want to do this. It's how I want to live for you. But if you're here today and you're one of those Christians who've really been ignoring Christ, ignoring what it really means to be a Christian, today's the day for you to, to say, God, I know this isn't right. I'm turning back to you. I want to, to learn how to live like a real Christian and do that. Today's your day to turn back to him. And, and if you're here today and you've never made that, you know, one-time decision, one-time-in-a-lifetime kind of decision where you've intersected with Christ by receiving him as Savior and Lord, today is the day for you to do that. Today, Easter Sunday, what better day Easter Sunday, 2014, for you to respond to the Lord. Well, let's do this. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes at this point in time, if you would. Let's quiet ourselves before the Lord here. No one looking around. We want this to be private between you and God. In a minute, I'm going to ask for a response. 
But if you're here today and you say, yes, I know that I've intersected, you know, my identity in Christ, I've intersected with him, I have received Christ as my Savior, and, and I'm not perfect, but you know, I really am consistently trying to live for Christ. I, I, I really am, am trying to live like a real Christian, the way Christians really ought to live. That's what I'm trying to do, and yeah, I fail sometimes, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do. If that's you here today, right now when no one's looking around, would you just raise your hand and indicate to me that's you? I want to pray for you. Yeah, hands all over the place. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. I pray for these folks. I pray that you will encourage them, strengthen them, and bless them as they seek to live the lives the way that you want them to live. Amen. Heads still bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're one of those Christians that I talked about who you received Christ as Savior, but, you know, it's been a while since you've really been serious about that. You haven't really been trying to live the way a real Christian ought to live. There's things in your life that don't belong, or maybe there's things that aren't in your life that should be there. And you're realizing, yeah, I can't live this way anymore. I need to turn around. If your heart's desire today is to say, yeah, that's me, and I want to turn back to the Lord and start living like a real Christian. If that's you, with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand right now? Yes, I see that hand. Others? Yes, I see that hand too. Yes, thank you. All right, thank you so much for being honest there. Father, thank you for these people who indicate they want to change that change of life. And I pray that, again, you'll encourage them and instruct them and, and help them to see clearly what it is they need to do to respond to you in this way. Amen. Head still bowed, please, just a little longer. Eyes still closed. If you're here today and you're saying, boy, you know, I'm just not sure that I've really intersected with Christ like you're talking about. I, you know, I've believed in God, but I just, I've never really made it personal you know, in a once and for all kind of way to trust Jesus as my Savior, to receive Christ as Savior. And I want to do that. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray along with me. Silently in your heart and mind, God knows what you're thinking. If that's you, if you say, I want to settle this once and for all, I want to receive Christ as Savior, you pray along with me. Say to God something like this. Say, God, I know that I've sinned against you. I know that my sins have separated me from you. I know if I die like this, I'll go to hell. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. Right now, as best I know how, I receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I trust what Jesus did for me to forgive my sins. Amen. Still heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, with no one else looking around, would you just let me know so I can pray for you? If you just prayed with me right now, just raise your hand so I can see it. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that one. Yes. Others? Father, thank you for these people who, who pray today to receive your Son as Savior. I pray that you'll make it very real in their lives and that they will now 
uh, as they become a Christian, a real Christian, that they will learn to live like real Christians. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.